We'll start reading back in verse number one. Let me go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness. We thank you, God, for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. We ask you, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to be mindful of those. Lord, you said the, your uh, mercies were new every morning. Psalm 103 said, forget not all uh, thy benefits. And I pray, God, you'd help us to remember how good it is to be saved and how how many blessings you've given to us because we're saved. And I pray, God, you'd help us to apply these spiritual blessings to our lives. This morning we're here, God, for Sunday school. want to learn about how to live as a wise man, Lord, uh, to avoid the life of a foolish man. And I pray you'd help us in these things. Forgive us our sins. Open our eyes that we might see. And we'll thank you, God, for everything that you do. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, verse number 1, Proverbs 16, verse 1. We covered a little bit of this last week. Let's go over this a little bit more. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked... For the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, though hand joined in hand he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better it is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. A man's heart deviseth his way. But the Lord directeth his steps. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. A just weight and balance of the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness. For the throne is established by righteousness. Now all these verses are, are pretty closely connected. Which is, an, uh, which is somewhat of an oddity. The book of Proverbs. Uh, it is a list. This whole book is, a, is simply a list of collected proverbs. And of course, you know, Solomon asked the Lord when he became king, uh, he, the Lord said, ask me what I'll give you. And he said, I'll take the wisdom to rule over your people. And the Lord said that was such a good answer that I'll give you the wisdom to rule over my people. Plus, I'll give you riches on top of it. But you'll be the wisest man that there ever has been, is, or will be. And so that's a pretty good that's a pretty good promise from the Lord right there. And so these proverbs were collected, and I'm sure he wrote a great uh, many of them himself. Uh, but wisdom didn't begin with Solomon. Uh, but at any rate, he wrote them down for us, and many times they'll be disconnected from verse to verse. In other words, the context changes when a verse is finished and goes on to uh, another that could be uh, so diverse you wouldn't even think they'd be written on the same page. But in, in some of these cases, as in chapter 16, these uh, first uh, 10 or 12 are, are very well connected. So let's take a little closer look. We talked about verse 1 and 2 and 3 a little bit last week. But uh, look back in verse number 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now look in verse number 9. A man's heart deviseth his way. But the Lord directeth his steps. And then look in verse number four. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. 
Now, that, if these verses are true, and there's no question in my mind that they're true, but if you didn't believe these verses were true, you'd be in for a rude awakening. You would be in for a very rude awakening. And that is because men think they're so smart. They think they've got everything figured out. They suppose that they have uh, figured out the, the answers to all the universe and they've got rid of God and they're going to do whatever they want to, but they'll never have success in it. Uh, it the appearance of success in this world is nothing more but a device that God has implanted in man to destroy his own feeble attempts to be his own God. He'll say, we're going to forget God, we're going to do it this way, and God will let it seem like success just long enough to destroy that people and start over with somebody else. And that's the way it's taken place from the book of Genesis up till now, as far as the, the timeline goes, from the time the Lord made man till now, man has walked away from God. He's had enough success to keep him occupied, and the end of that success was complete and utter destruction. Go back to Rome. Go back to uh, the Greeks. Go back to Media Persia. Go back to Babylon. Go back to Israel itself, and it's just a, Egypt. Any high-powered society that you can think of done the same thing the same way. All of them didn't start out with God. I mean, as far as going back to Adam, they started with God, but you, one society was destroyed and another one came up and didn't go God's way and didn't walk God's way or think God's way, and they were destroyed, and they came to nothing. And usually they did it through luxury and entertainment and such things as that. But we'll get into that at a later time. What this verse is, or what these, this collection of verses is, is showing you that that process is built in. That process, God has plugged it in there to where a man deceives himself. And you know, just from the sound of the word, deceit, it's not going to turn out right if you start out with the wrong idea. This, uh, a good example of it is evolution. The Occidental Society, which, which you are, you're a Western society. Occidental means Western. Oriental is talking about Eastern society. Orient, where the sun comes up. Uh, origin, Orient, that's where you get the word Orient from. The sun comes up in the East. It sets in the West. East is Oriental. West is Occidental. Western society picked up uh, Darwin, and it's been on a downhill slide ever since. There, there's no question about that. Society, the Western society is not getting better. It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh, they've, the, the devil, man, uh, hand in hand, has found out a way to get the Western society that used to be very heavily influenced. I'm not saying Occidental or Western society was a godly society. I'm saying that Christians had a very large influence on Western society. That's what I'm saying. But in the last so many years, the devil has managed to blind the minds of Christian cultures within that society and has turned the emphasis from progress that he was making into emotional things. 
Oh, we were building a community. We were building societies. We were building factories. We were producing things. Now we're thinking about how we can be nicer to one another. Well, I got news for you. You can be nice to one another till you forget everything else that's important in life. And then once you have nothing, you're going to find out how angry you still are at one another. Amen. When everybody's on, when everybody's on welfare... When everybody's on welfare and nobody's paying into welfare and you don't have anything left because you haven't worked, you're going to find out who the, who the dominant force is. Everybody's now talking about super races and supreme races and all this kind of stuff. You can forget all about that, but I'll tell you what's absolutely undeniable. When you break society all the way back down to cardboard boxes and uh, shanty towns like they've got in... South Africa right now, you're going to find out who's, who's uh, the supreme, whatever, you, whatever, whatever it is you're looking at, because they, they, it's going to be dog eat dog, and it's going to come. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is the end of that thing is you're going to find out you shouldn't have been focused on what somebody else thinks about you or, or emotional things like that being accepted. You should have been. Uh, sticking your nose to the grindstone, providing all for your family that you could while you had the opportunity, while it was up to you. Amen. Amen. That's right. Now, a good example of what I'm talking about is you, you get a hold of Charles Darwin, and and they've been trying to promote. Uh, evolution for the last so many years in in American society trying to replace God and that's the only thing in the world that they are trying to replace and they don't have a written record that's beyond 4,000 years, 5,000 years. You, you don't have a written record before that. But they know that 10 million years ago some solar ejections turned into rock, turned into uh, water got hit by lightning, produced little creatures that turned into bugs, that turned into fish, that turned into... That's ridiculous. Uh, anything you didn't see that you can have that much detail about makes you a god. And that's exactly what you got going on. You got a bunch of man gods running around to the, po- to the point where people that don't have nothing, never had anything never worked on anything, never formulated anything in their mind, never thought anything, never thought about anything besides going to bed, getting up and eating. That's been the total sum of their whole ambition all their life. Now they're telling, you know, everybody else what they think and what, it doesn't matter what you think. Now, you might think that that's a slam against the common man, but it's not. You go back and you go back in this country Hundred years, two hundred years. Let's go back two hundred years. A common man out there farming in the dirt had Latin and English before he quit school in the, when he was eight years old or ten years old. And now you got people that never had two thoughts except for do I want two percent milk or whole milk? Do I like bacon or do I like scrapple? And then you get a guy like that and he turns into a dope head. Amen. Somebody comes along, tells him the gospel. He gets off the dope. He gets in church. Next thing you know, I'm leaving this church because the preacher don't know what he's talking about. And he ain't even got no right to make up his own mind, let alone tell the preacher he don't know what he's talking about. 
In this day and time right here, you got fellas that just last year were on dope, beating their wives. God knows what all was going on behind closed doors. And this year, they're standing in pulpits preaching to people, castigating people that's been saved 20 years, talking down to them like they got sense. And they ain't even lived long enough to change 10 or 12 diapers yet. You say, what's that a result of? That's a result of telling man that he come out of the out of the uh, primordial ooze and be, and he's his own man and he's got a right to independence and all, all this kind of stuff. He, he, he don't have a right to any of that stuff. Amen? When you first get born, you ain't got a right in the world. You got a, lot, you got a right to breathe and eat and take what your mom and daddy gives you. Amen? When you first get saved, you got a right to sit down, shut up, and listen to somebody disciple you disciple you. Jesus, when he started out, he had 12 disciples. And they had a lot more disciples than that. You understand that. But we call them the 12 disciples that became the apostles. He had a whole bunch of disciples. But disciple means discipline. That means somebody else changing your mind to another way of thinking, another way of acting. When you get a spanking as a little kid, that's discipline. You are your mom and dad's disciple. Amen? That's true. Well, look what this verse is saying. In light of everything I've just said, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Some guy gets mad and says, well, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go do it my way. The Lord's sitting there. I got, I got a plan for this. It's already figured out. He'll go out and start some rebellious church. Like uh, I've, I've heard there's a guy up in North Carolina. He he takes uh, some commentaries. He studied those commentaries. He knows all about those commentaries. Has a falling out with his pastor and decides, I'm going to start a church. I'm independent. We're all independent. I'm going to do what I want to. And since the beginning of his ministry, never had no success, never had no notoriety until he start fussing. Controversy. If you want to start a good work, if you want to start a good gospel work, just have a bunch of controversy. I'm against the Charismatics, I'm against the Catholics, I'm against the Steve Anderson, I'm against this. You can build you a name because there's a lot of other people want to get together on that. There's not many people wants to get together on Jesus Christ, though. Not a lot of people want to get together and, and have a disciplined society and so forth and so on. So when a guy says, I'm going to be rebellious and do my own thing, the Lord already has it set up. The Lord will take a guy like Stephen Anderson and give him a bunch of converts because that's what those converts deserve. And that's what that preacher deserves. He deserves those converts, and those converts deserve him. The Lord's already got their destruction figured out. I'll get rid of Bible doctrine. I'll get rid of the Jew. I'll get rid of everything that God cares about, and we'll just get together on the fact that we're mad at everybody that don't believe like we believe. And off goes a offshoot religion. Somebody stands up and says, well, I don't think the police department in this town's got no right to mess around with my boy. I mean, I know my boy's out at 3 o'clock in the morning and getting drunk and breaking into people's houses. But after all, I mean, we're all Americans and we got a right to do what we want to. And I think I'll run for office and make sure this type of things don't happen no more. He'll run for office and he'll get followers and he'll become the leader that leads a bunch of people into hell. You say, what is that? That's something that God's already worked out. You can't help yourself. But the, the way of the transgressor is hard. And once you get on that way, you can't help what you do. God said he would choose your uh, delusions for you. And so he says, the answer of the tongue, the preparations of the heart in man, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. 
Then verse number 9, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. You just get in the mind of your, get in mind of, uh, I really don't know how to illustrate it better because it's not an exact illustration, but uh, suppose my elbow decided it wanted to go over there and pick up that chair and my brain says, okay, my brain walks my body over there and picks up that chair. And I understand you said, well, the brother Mike, that's uh, your brain originated the thought. I understand that. I'm just trying to illustrate to you in the church, we're all members in particular of God's body. He's the head. We'll sit around and say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that and try to do the right thing. The brain figures out, has already figured out how to do it and wrote a book about it before you even had the idea. So uh, God is leading and moving the body. One man says, well, you know, God called Moses and God called Abraham. And here I am. I'm born 1970, God called me and picked me out. No, God picked Abraham out out of everybody. God picked Noah out of everybody. God picked Moses out of everybody. God didn't pick you out of everybody. God chose the church. So I think God called me to go to this place or that place, or God chose me to do this or that. No, God chose all of us. Read Romans chapter 1. God chose all of us in the church to do the same job. There is a diversity of the, as far as the administration, there's deacons and and pastors and teachers, and these things are used for the edifying of the saints. I understand that, but if you look real closely and look at the broad view of the church, the deacon, the pastor, the person that comes and sits on the pew every week, they all have the same calling. That's to glorify God, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, that's all of our job. So, well, God called me to be a deacon. God called me to be a pastor. That's just the administration side of things. There is specific tasks that you have to do. But if I come to the church every week and teach you something, you have to go to work every week and teach somebody else something. Same job. God chose me. Okay. Okay, John the Baptist. I mean, that's, that's who a lot of people think they are. Well, I don't, I don't like that. I'm mad about that. I'm going to start a whole different ministry independent of all the other gospel ministries on the earth uh, in protest. That's what a lot, of th- a lot of things get started in the Christian world on protest. And the Bible says they went out from us because they were not of us. Well, that's one of the biggest testimonies of the independent Baptist church. They're not of us. You're independent. Well, you see how independent Baptist churches are, though, when somebody teaches something they don't agree with. Hey, he shouldn't be teaching that. Why not? He's independent. <laughs> Is that true or ain't it true? I mean, how many times you preachers get mad at each other and all frustrated with one another? It's an independent church. You're not connected with them. Well, see how ignorant that is? But the Lord plugged that in, made sure that was going to happen. You say, why? The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Now, again, how many of you could raise your hand right now and tell me something that you're wrong about doctrinally? Raise your hand and tell me something you're wrong about morally. 
You don't want to put that out, do you? Keep that to yourself. Ain't that right? Well, Brother Mike, I confess my sins to the Lord. Well, as you should. But if I talk about them from the pulpit, you get mad. Or, or as, as it would go in the normal course of the world, you get up in front of a bunch of people and preach what their sins are. Oh, I'm mad about that. Why? Am I wrong? No, it just ain't none of your business. It is some of my business. You just got too much of an independent mind. Well, it ain't none of your business. That's between me and God. No, it ain't. It's between you and your preacher. It's between you and your congregation. It's between you and everybody. Amen? It is my business. It is somebody else's business. Well, that lady gets mad because I don't wear clothes. I don't wear old old-timer clothes like she does and she wears a dress below her knee and I wear mine above and she always mad she's a legalist. No, she's got sense. She's got a right to expect you to dress correctly. She can't judge me. She don't have to judge you. You've already been judged. Amen? If you dress immorally, you're a floozy by your own admission. You say, well, nobody knows my heart. Well, if, if, what are you doing advertising contrary to your heart? Get a man wear a Budweiser shirt to work. People say, I thought you was a Christian. Well, no, this, I am a Christian. Well, you're wearing a Budweiser shirt. Well, I don't drink it. I just like the shirt. Well, you, why are you advertising contrary to, to your opinion? People got a right to judge you. You said, because you owe, they owe you and you owe them. Amen? Well, they always get upset because I don't do it like the way they do it. Well, do it like they do it then. What gives you a right to be different? Are you better than they are? Don't you hear kids, kids always saying, well, you're judging me and I got a right to be different. What gives you a right to be different? Nothing gives you a right to be different. You're going to pay for it. I promise you that. You say, why? The Lord's already got it plugged in. The Lord's already got your brand of rebellion, your brand of doing it your way, your brand of, of, uh, of thought processes. The Lord's already got that figured out and plugged it into you the day you was born. If you do right, he'll bring you to the right place. If you do wrong, he, there's one in a million different ways he can mess up your mind to, to get you the right outcome, the outcome you deserve. Enough, so much so I should say that you'll mess up yourself and a bunch of other people that get into the same mess as you or want to get into the same mess as you do. You, you don't see rock concerts with one band performing to one people, one person. You don't go to church and find one preacher preaching to one person in the congregation. The Lord's got somebody around that needs messing up just like you, if you walk against him, and he's got enough people around to make a good church if a person wanted a good church. If you want to do the right thing, the Lord group in a bunch of people with you. The Lord will set that up. I gave this illustration many times, but back several years ago, these kids got to the place where they were all wearing black and black makeup and black shoes and black belts and all this kind of stuff. And people walking around, you ask one of them, what are you doing? I'm just trying to be different. 
And you point out to them there's 15 kids behind you that dress. You don't even know those kids <laughs> probably. And you, you take, your, take them over to the next town where they never met anybody in their life. Look, all these people, you're not different. You're all the same. Back in the 80s, all the rebellious kids got parachute pants and Michael Jackson gloves. And the 1990s, they all got uh, one hair over here and three hairs over here and put on flannel shirts and wanted to be, I guess they called that grunge. They all had the same idea. What's, what's up with that? You say, well, that, the God of this world, the devil told them all to dress like that. Yeah, but who turned the devil loose on them? God's got all that figured out. You say, how do you know? Verse 3, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Amen. That's what I'm talking about a while ago. Uh, your elbow decides it wants to go over there and pick up that chair, and your brain walks it over there. There's a head over you that's doing the thinking before you ever had any idea about it. How do you know that? Ephesians chapter 2, the God of this world. Uh, the God of the world references in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 2 tells you that that God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, has laid out a course for this world. Who allowed him to do it? A course means a road, a way, a direction, a thought process, a worldview. The Lord has a way to... To set that up, the devil not doing this stuff without permission. How do you know? Verse number four, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Set up the news media, they're all hand in hand. Set up the United Nations, they're all hand in hand. How is it that all those nations agree about Israel? <laughs> how many how many how many nations has Israel? Uh, how many European nations has Israel invaded with tanks and airplanes? How many African nations has Israel invaded with tanks and this imperialistic Western society? Israel not even a Western country, but they get lumped in with with Western society because they're a democracy, uh, which I'm not too much of in favor of. I believe in the republic. But they get lumped in with us because America's got a bunch of Christians that pray for them and send them money. So they get lumped in with it. But they're not imperialists. How many people have they invaded? But they're all mad at Israel. You say, why? Because they're on the course of this world. Now God's using little idiot preachers that just got out of diapers to start casting doubt on Israel, start casting doubt on other Bible doctrines. You say, why? Because Americans have begun... uh, couple of decades ago to get on that course that's heading towards the same destruction that all these other nations have been on for years and years and years and years. The Lord Lord orchestrated all that. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Uh, We're covering the book of Ephesians, and I showed you from the Scripture very plainly that God has a purpose for the church the church will demonstrate the glory and the grace of God throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We showed that and we've been over that for the last couple of weeks and showed that stuff very clearly. The, the Lord also 
has a very clear purpose for the wicked of every age, and there'll be a demonstration. The Bible says during the millennial reign, there will be a place designated on this earth where a man can go and look into that pit, and he'll be able to see very clearly what happens to people that walk against God. That's what the, that, that is in part what this verse is a reference to. The Lord hath made all things for himself, self, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil, everyone that is proud of heart, proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Though hand join in hand, religion, politics, one world makes no difference. Just grab each other's hand and decide you're going to stick together. And that just means you'll all go to the same hell. We're going to join hands and that way nobody can outdo us. Now you're going to join hands and God's going to be able to pick you all up at one time and throw you into hell. And people say, God is love. God is love. What's that got to do with anything? Are you special? God's love so he's not going to take vengeance on you. I mean, if God did love you, for God so loved the world, right? If God did love a wicked man, does God love wicked men? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For God so loved the world. So if God does love a wicked man, if that wicked man's not willing to repent of his wickedness and trust Christ for his sins, God will take that wicked man that he loves and throw him in hell to protect the people that did believe in him, that did trust in him from, from the results of their sins. God's love, God wouldn't do, what's love got got to do with anything regarding that. It's not a matter of love. The, the, the love was that he sent his son to die for you. Not that he wouldn't send you to hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible says nothing about for God so loved the world that he wouldn't send them to hell or judge their deeds. Amen? Is that? I hope that's pretty clear because we got to move on. Everyone that is proud of heart uh, proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. He might love you. See, you've got relatives that you love them because they're your cousin. <laughs> they, they love you because they come from your mama's sister or, or your, your, your daddy's brother. You love them in that regard, but you can't stand them because their actions won't allow you and them to get together in jail. <laughs> they call it hit it off. Oh, me and Brother Spike hit it off. Me and Brother Nathan hit it off. We got along good. Some people that you're related to, you don't hit it off with them, do you? If you found them hungry, you'd probably feed them, though. Number one, because you love them for family's sake, and then you, uh, hopefully you got enough common decency that you wouldn't let your enemy suffer if you could do something about it. For God so loved the world, Love not the world, the Bible says, because the world's at enmity with God. They're God's enemies. The book of Romans said, while you was God's enemies, Christ died for you. But there's something there that makes you enemies, that abomination. The Bible said that the Jews were, uh, the, uh, the shepherds, that shepherds were abomination to the Egyptians. Joseph says, hey, now when you get in front of that king, tell him you're a cattleman because they don't like sheep guys too good. Jacob got in there and said, man, I'm done lying. <laughs> Pharaoh says, hey, what's your occupation? I'm a shepherd. We got sheep. 
No use hiding it. I mean, he doesn't learn his lesson, amen? Let, let it be what it is. But he says, so everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. So the Lord has these things set up to where when a man goes his own way, it's going to lead him right out to judgment. That's why Jesus had no problem uh, prophesying about the end of all things. When he showed up, he said, there's a way, it's broad, there's a lot of people on it, it leads to destruction. There's a straight way. And that don't mean, if you go back and look at it, it's not talking about straight, straightforward. It's like the Straits of Gibraltar. It's straight and narrow. It's two words describing the same thing. Straight and narrow. And he said, there's few on that, few there be that find it. Comes out at the right place. Comes out to, uh, to uh, joy and peace and all this stuff. And I, of course, I'm, I'm adding to the story, but you understand what I'm talking about. The Lord understood that, and the Lord was trying to teach that. And there's no independence. There's no independence. Amen. All those people you think you're separate from going to the same demise. And that's true. You ought to think about that. God got it all figured out. Then, verse number six by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I think we talked about that a little bit last week. I wanted to make verse 1, uh, verse one through 9 a little clearer. But by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Romans chapter 12, which has come up quite a bit here lately. But Romans chapter 12 says you're to renew your mind, the transforming of your mind. It talks about getting rid of what's in your mind left over from the lost life, from the life that only received uh, wicked thoughts and wicked imaginations and television and uh, whatever kind of music you listen to. and uh, Get rid of all that and then transform your mind. Renew your mind. He's talking about putting the Word of God. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Here it is. It's the Bible. The Bible is the mind of Christ. We're to renew that. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's exactly what he's talking about. He says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. That purging, the cleansing, comes from a, a diet of the Word of God, a memorization of the Word of God. And you'll find the flesh is very strong. It'll fight against that. It'll, it will fight against you cleaning out spaces in your mind. It's like a mold. You clean it out and it'll come back. Clean it out and it'll come back. And so this, Paul says, I die daily. It's a daily thing that you have to do. You memorize verses and preach sermons and witness to people three or four days in a row, you'll feel like you are the Apostle Paul. But the very next day, you stop reading your Bible, you stop praying, you stop doing what you're supposed to do as a Christian. In just a short period of time, even shorter if you turn on the television, you'll be right back to thinking bad thoughts and and acting on bad impulses. And before before you know it, the Bible says, hath forgotten he that the Bible says that in Second Peter chapter one, 
He says, you, you don't have the charity. You don't have the brotherly kindness. You don't have the faith. You don't have all those things that he talks about in that passage. And he says, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Talking about a saved person, somebody washed in the blood. Amen. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Well, he just gave you the list. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue uh, knowledge, to knowledge patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness. Add all those things. He said you'll never fall. Forget those things. Leave those things behind. He said you forget you were saved. You forget you was purged. That's the same word he uses right here. So he says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I don't care who you are here or what you've done. You may have even been unconscious of the fact, but if you quit doing something harmful to you, it's because you fear God. So, well, no, I feared getting cancer. Well, who's the author of that? Amen. I quit drinking. You know, I, th- I decided it was time to treat my family right. No, you decided God was going to kill you if you didn't do it, if you didn't get the thing straight. Amen. People don't quit doing stuff that they ought not to do unless they fear God. Amen. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Well, about time to pack some of you's bags, ain't it? Get out. Get away from that evil mess. Me too. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking about me too. Why? Verse number 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh his enemies to be at peace. Lord, not only. No man liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. New Testament teaching here. He says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his his enemies to be at peace with him. That goes back to what I've been saying all along. When you are not going to do things God's way, He's got it set up for you to fail. But if you decide you are going to do it God's ways, He starts formulating ways in which your enemies can't get to you, and your enemies will even start to have respect for you, and they won't. Brother Pedro told me about a, uh, about a, a man down in Jacksonville who was preaching, trying to do the right thing in the community. The thugs caught him out uh, one evening, and grabbed a hold of him and they was going to rob him and they couldn't do it because he was the preacher. That Oh, we better not do this. This is the preacher. Well, they fully intend to rob that man and do God knows what else. Beat him up. But the Lord changed their heart, changed their mind when they saw who it was and what they was about to do. We can't do this. Well, they could do it to everybody else. Amen? They could do it to everybody else. Uh Joseph had some enemies in his own family. And thankfully, at least one or two of them had some good sense. Amen. So, hey, uh, let's, here comes this dreamer. Let's grab him, see what becomes of his dreams then after we kill him. They grabbed him, threw him in the pit, and started talking about it and having a hot dog supper. And one of them said, hey, look at these Ishmaelites. We, uh, I got a good idea. They're heading down to Egypt. He said, we could find one of these bands of folks coming down through here and sell him off. Another group of folks come along in just a little bit, and they plucked him up out of the pit and sold him off. And you say, what happened? They was, had some evil intentions. God had some good intentions. And Joseph was wanting to walk with God, so God brought him out on the good intentions. 
worked it all out. So, Brother Mike, that's kind of that's kind of mystical, ain't it? Well, it's mysterious. I'll guarantee you that. But God do the same thing for you. God will work out your problems. I better go get a lawyer. I'd pray first. I'd trust God first. Marriage falling apart, I'd trust God about that thing. <laughs> Amen? There's only two of you if you're married in any conventional way. There's only two of you. One of you have to be the problem. Out of the two of you, y'all can get together and trust God, and God can work that irreconcilable differences. That's a bunch of foolishness. Unless you're trying to walk away from God. And if you are trying to walk away from God and do things your own way, there's not a thing in this world that can reconcile it. But a divorce, a, a divorce ain't going to reconcile it either. Amen? I'll get divorced and all my problems will be over. No, your problems will just be beginning. Amen. You say, how do you know? My mom and dad got divorced when I was about three years old. There was problems from it all of my all of my days. All of my days there's a problem come from it. Divorce didn't fix nothing. I say divorce didn't fix nothing. If y'all went to sleep this morning, y'all holler amen about that unless you're fussing, fighting with your wife, thinking about getting a divorce. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. Get divorced and go out and find you another man. Go out and find you another woman. About the time you're about to get married, they show up on your doorstep drunk. When you're about to take your kid out to the prom, this fella that ain't been around in 10 years show up. My real dad died back in the 90s. He caused trouble a decade after he was dead. You say, what's the answer? You and your wife, you and your husband, get down on the bed, get down beside your bed and start praying, asking God to fix it, get a little fear of God about you, ask God to work it out, and the Lord will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Even if that enemy is your husband or your wife or the guy you work with or the gal you uh, into it with down at the grocery store because she charged you $2 too much last time you was in it, God will work all that stuff out. You get yourself right. Save you a lawyer bill. I suppose that the Lord Jesus Christ is the best advocate there is. The Bible say that or don't it? <laughs> it says we have an advocate with the Father, don't it? <laughs> Amen. Let the Lord plead your case. Amen. When a, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. That verse pretty self-explanatory. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. You decide you're going to do right, the Lord puts you in the right place. I believe that with all my heart. I believe we spend too much time in the modern Christian church. I think we spend too much time trying to figure out where God called me to rather than figuring out what God called me to do. And I believe if you'll do what God called you to do, you'll end up where God wants you to be. And so my estimation is a providential calling. I'm not talking about in the Calvinist sense, but there is a Calvinist aspect to that. And I'm talking about the way that they think about things. I believe if a man fears the Lord 
and begins to do what the Bible says he's called us to do faithfully, then I believe you'll end up at the right spot because the Lord will direct your steps and you'll, you'll be at the right place. I believe you'll be at the right place at the right time. Uh, Sister Faye, for a couple of months, prayed about um, her brother-in-law and he was sick and he was in the hospital and, and one thing leads to another and he's in the hospital in Brunswick and, and it was my job to go over and see him and I didn't go see him and one thing happens here and one thing's happened there. Next thing you know, where do they decide that a man that lives in Brunswick and is in the hospital in Brunswick, where do they put him to convalesce? Well, naturally, they put him in Folkestone. Right down there, 25 yards from my house, witness to the man that got saved. All by accident. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I don't, I don't have any ideas about that being a coincidence at all. I, I believe that the Lord will have a person where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And I, there's not a Calvinist bone in my body, but I believe that. I believe in providence. Amen. I believe if I get in my own mind and want to do my own thing, I believe the Lord will let me go down a path that will be nothing but trouble. And I believe if I fear the Lord and get right with God and, and uh, get washed and get cleaned in a day-to-day basis, I believe the Lord will put me right where I should be, right where I need to be. Amen? You say, why? Because verse number 9 says it. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Verse 10, a divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth, his mouth transgresseth not in judgment. A just weight in the balance of the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his. The Lord designed everything. The Lord designed everything so you could be fair. The just weights are his. That's what it says. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. And what he's talking about is you look at the old time way of doing things. They had this balance. They put uh, five pounds of sugar on this side, or they'd put a certain amount of sugar on this side, they put a five pound weight on this side, and then they would take out of this or add to it until it equaled five pounds. Now, some people would take a three pound weight and they'd stamp five on it so it looked like a five pound weight. They'd, put it, they'd give you three pounds of sugar and charge you for five. That's, a, that's an inaccurate weight. But a five-pound weight, five pounds of sugar, or five pounds of whatever you're trying to buy, that's a just weight. It's a good weight. It's right. It's correct. The Bible says, now look what he says again, a just weight and balance of the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. The Lord, we talk about gravity. I'm about to give you one of the secrets of the universe that scientists can't figure out. What is gravity? We don't have any idea. I'll tell you what gravity is. Gravity is a just weight. Everything comes out to be right according to gravity. The just weight is the Lord's. You take five pounds, it's going to be five pounds. And you know what that does? It makes everything equal. It makes everything even. It makes everything fair. You're going to get five pounds. Uh, a person's going to get five pounds of money. You're going to get five pounds of product. You're going to be even. You're going to be fair. You're going to be just. You're going to be honest, you're not going to get mistreated. The Lord got all that worked out 
and it's great. Well, God gave us gravity to keep us floating off into space. Well, you can think that if you want to, but I'd just like to be more reasonable than that and find a practical purpose for things. And that's what he says here. A just weight and balance of the Lord's. All the weights of the, ba- of the bag are his work. Then verse number 12, it is abomination to kings to commit wickedness. This goes with verse 10 that we just read. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness for the throne is established by righteousness. That goes back to Romans chapter 13, uh, which we ought to look at because I believe this. I believe if you're an unjust king, I believe the Lord is going to uh, take care of that. I believe the Lord will remove you and put somebody that uh, is correct there. That's why you get the, this stuff down in Venezuela. There's upheaval. And before you know it, that guy that's down there, he'll either leave or there'll be a revolution possibility he could have been killed. Uh, Muammar Gaddafi, I might not have pronounced his, right, his name right, he should have got out while the getting was good when Ronald Reagan let him live. He should have retired to some desert isle or something and been done with it. He'd probably still be alive today. But he kept on, he stayed in power and he stayed in power and abused his people till they killed him. You've seen what happened to him a couple years ago when Obama turned the Muslims loose over there in North Africa. They drug him through the streets and treated him as they would. But at any rate, Romans chapter 13, let every soul be subject to the higher power, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So if you see a place that's got a, a, an evil ruler set over them, you know they're an evil people and they're about to get what they deserve. That is what it is. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works. That's how you know if he's a legitimate ruler or not. If he's a legitimate ruler, he will not be a terror to good works. He won't get, if you decide you're going to build a church, he won't give you one bit of problem. Bro, uh, Brother Pedro was telling me that same story about that preacher. That preacher started a, a church in his house, started reaching those prostitutes and drug addicts. Then when he wanted to build a, when he wanted to uh, grow the church and put it in a building and get it out of his house and reach out to more of the community, the town council got had a problem with it, tried to prevent him from doing. That's a good work. They tried to prevent it. They're corrupt. They got any gambling at all in Jacksonville of any kind? How come they didn't try to stand against that? They sell any alcohol in Jacksonville? They got any bars that sell booze? For people to drink it up all night and then get killed in a car accident on the way home? So, well, he's a good Republican. He's the devil. He's a terror to good works. You want to get out in your car and drive and go to the grocery store and get some food to feed your family? You want to do that in safety or you want to do it with drunkards on the street? That good Republican that backed up that alcohol, he's a devil. Well, he stands for gun rights. He's the devil. Amen. 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 For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. You after the uh, sanctuary cities, you're evil. 
Let's get a little closer to home. Used to be Folkestone was a dry county. They voted in. Here recently, they voted to sell it in the stores. I mean, uh, not the stores, the, uh, the restaurants. Is that true or false? Charlton County has a law on the books that says you can't sell beer within so many feet of a church. You can just about stand in the back door of, of the Harvey's beer joint down there and jump out of the back door and land on the front porch of the Church of God down there. That's against the law. Who got paid off on that deal? Did, did Harvey's pay off the Church of God or did the Church of God pay off... What's the deal? I can't imagine. Church of God believes you can lose your salvation. Is that right or wrong? Church of God believes you can lose your salvation. How do you not lose your salvation by, uh, I mean, if you agree to let the grocery store in front of you sell alcohol to the detriment of the whole county, how are you not going to hell if you can lose your salvation? It's just a bracket, that's all it is. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, thou shalt have praise of the same. A good man will tell you, pat you on the back, and say, y'all doing a good job if you're doing right. Amen. For he is a minister of God, uh, for he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. The meth dealers in Homeland ain't afraid. Police come on duty in Homeland. They all call one another, and they just don't do anything while the police is there. Homeland can't afford to keep them on duty for more than four hours. After the four-hour shift is up, and they're gone, back to business, back to normal. Who's going to do anything about it? Nobody, because there's nobody there for good. Everybody, the mayor there, uh, the police there, uh, looks to me like everybody's there for their own good. Amen. It's how Venezuela's got out of control, rulers there for their own good. It's how Russia got out of control, rulers there for their own good. It's how Britain got out, uh, the American colonies got out of control for Britain. Britain was there for their own good. Just God going to raise up somebody that do things more correctly. Not perfect because we live in the world. But that's the way things happen. When you begin to hear about government upheavals, somebody over there wasn't doing what was right. The verse just told you, uh, back in the, the book of Proverbs, when, they, when he was there, divine sentences in the lips of a king. King fears the Lord, he'll make the right decisions. You say, even if he's not saved, didn't say nothing about being saved, did it? Amen. Oh, Brother Mike, you believe in the divine right of kings? Absolutely. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Absolutely. Lost, degenerate, on his way to hell, divine sentence, if he does the right thing, if he makes the right judgment, absolutely. That'd be tough for uh, an American to swallow, but it'd be twice as tough for a saved, born-again, independent Baptist to swallow something like that. I got, I got uh, one simple question that I'll end on this morning. How in the world did a Presbyterian mixed up in between Calvinists and uh, the Church of England, a Scottish Presbyterian king sitting on a throne holding sway over Geneva, Switzerland, Calvinists, and Church of English prudes. How did he manage to get a King James Bible out of that? 
King James Bible is the word of God. Come from a Presbyterian. A portion of those translators were not even born again. You know who that come from? Tyndale. You know, you know who Tyndale's work come from? Eusebius, Catholic. Pope, Antichrist. What you going to do? God either has his way or he don't. He has his way, doesn't he? He absolutely does. We got to stop right there. We're up against the clock. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness and grace. I pray that you would help us, lead us, and guide us into all truth. If the whole world went their own way, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you'd still get your way and things would still work out. Uh, the, the evil and the wickedness that people got into would be for your own purpose and for your own plan. There's not a wicked nation anywhere in the world today that's hiding from your sight or doing anything without your knowledge and without your uh, allowing it to take place so that later on down the road there can be judgment or maybe it is as in the days of old you're judging folks with those evil nations and evil rulers. I know that's very possible. The Bible tells me that through Babylon, Media, Persia, all these things and how you allowed them to interact with your people, Israel. I know, God, that you are in control. There is a God of this earth. There is a God of this world, the devil, the prince of the power of the air. But I know that uh, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And I know, God, that you've got a plan. And I believe with all my heart that your plan for this world is right on schedule. I know that your plan for my life and the lives of these folks that are here present this morning, I know your plan for them is right on schedule. And if, you, if they do right, you'll help them and strengthen them. If they do wrong, uh, they'll see their lives crumble and begin to fall apart. I've seen that in my own life. I see that in a week-to-week basis. I'll be up or I'll be down based on how my heart is set upon thee, O God. I pray you'd help me, God, to be continually having my heart set upon thee. Strengthen me, advise me, lead me. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you do. Be merciful to me. I thank you for that. Be merciful to these. I thank you for that. There's no good way for us to come out doing the wrong thing. It's not going to come out right. It's not going to come out as we expect. I pray, oh God, you'd help us to run up underneath the shadow of thy wings. And I thank you, God, for all the protection that you'll provide there. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, take a little break this morning. Take a little break.